I'm not going to mention the rain, okay? Um, it is wonderful, isn't it? But um, I, guess, I guess really what I want to look at today and talk about t- today is the fact that life can seem very meaningless. Now, it's not meaningless, but it can seem very meaningless. And when we don't understand the real meaning of it, it's so easy at times to try to find meaning in all sorts of different ways. And there's no end of people who actually want to help us put meaning in our lives. Uh, There's a picture I want you to see uh, up on the screen. Can we uh, shove that up now? Not the the back of my head. That's not the picture I want you to see. Um, Okay. Anybody know what that is? It's not. That is a 1983 Nissan Irvine. Anybody in the room have one? Okay. Anybody who's got one who won't put their hand up, put their hand up now. (laughs) That's okay, we can have the prayer team step down. Um, I used to have one of those. I bought one of those. And... uh, I bought it kind of in 1984, and it was pretty new. It wasn't brand new. And uh, Maria and I, we went to a car yard. We were living in Sydney, and we were looking to buy a van so we could, you know, put people in there and, you know, do a few things in, in the church. And this sales guy comes up to me, and Maria, and he looks me straight in the eye, and he said, do you believe in fairy godmothers? I go, no, not really. He said, well, do you believe in fairy godfathers? No, I'm just, you know. He says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to change your life. And then he points to this car. And, um, you know, this guy is really serious. And it's a great sales technique. Because I'm thinking, look, if I can just sign on the paper and you can go, we'll be good, okay. That's what I'm thinking. So um, you're probably wondering, did that car change our lives? Did it put meaning in our lives? Let's see the next photograph. Is it up there? Okay. One month later, all down to that car, my wife and I and two friends are sitting in the back of a paddy wagon, quite seriously, and we've all got wetsuits on. Okay. (laughs) Can you imagine? Uh, It sounds like something I would make up, but my little wife there is crying, and it's not... I didn't imagine our marriage would end up like this, you know, sitting in a paddy wagon with wetsuits on. We'd, um, we'd taken the Irvan, we'd done a scuba diving course, we had it full of diving gear, we went to Clavelia Beach in Sydney, um, it was too rough to actually do diving, so they said, put your wetsuits on, uh, we'll just do some snorkeling, so we put our wetsuits on, masks on, put our bag on the beach, and when we came back, we couldn't find the bag, and when we came up to the car park, we couldn't find the car, because somebody had stolen it. So uh, we talked somebody into calling the police, no mobile phones in those days. We had nothing. We had wetsuits. We had no money, no wallets, no keys, no car, no nothing. So we called the police and the police said, okay, that's great. They turned up in this van. And I said, well, what are you going to do? Just leave us here like this? They said, yeah. (laughs) How can you leave four people in a car park on a Saturday afternoon in wetsuits? And they said, well, you know, we can't do anything. And so I said, well, do I have to sh- you know, smash a shop window and you arrest us or something? So eventually they put us in the back of the paddy wagon and took us to some places. And when we're sitting there, my wife is crying. And I'm saying, sweetheart, what's the matter? It's just a car, it's insured. 
She said, there were my pink shorts in the car and they fitted so well. <laughs> That's a girl thing, I don't really get that, but um, we, got the, we got the shorts back actually, we didn't get anything else back. But I mean... That's how my life had radically changed. <laughs> the guy who said, I'm going to change your life, sold me a car, and it ends kind of in misery and with an insurance check, okay? You know, I don't think that's really the life meaning that I wanted in my life. But the crazy thing is there's a lot of things that we can get sucked into by people or start thinking ourselves, thinking, hey, this is the thing. This is how I can get real satisfaction out of this life. And, you know, you can you know, be doing your little thing now in your brain thinking, what is it for you? What are the things that you've bought into thinking, yeah, this is the thing that's going to change it all? Well, if there really was meaning to be found through some of these things, I guess the person we probably should turn to is the person who probably... In, in terms of the world's eyes, is the most successful. Now, if you're thinking Bill Gates or somebody like that, I'm not thinking him. There's somebody in history who had so much more money than Bill Gates that Bill Gates wouldn't even get a job cleaning his shoes. And he's somebody in the Bible, and his name is actually King Solomon. And if we turn to Ecclesiastes chapters 1 and 2, which is all about meaning, meaninglessness, and stuff like that, we can find out about this guy and his attitude towards the things he tried to put meaning in his life when he didn't really felt, feel he had meaning. Look at what he writes in verses 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem, that's who he was. This is what he says. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. If we stop there, you'd be having a real cheery day, right? It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? This is what he says in verses 3 and 4. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. That bit's true, isn't it? One of the things that uh, people do a lot more now than people used to is genealogies. How many people here have done this sort of their family genealogy? Yeah, yeah, look, some of, you, some of you have done that and there's services you can hire and all sorts of things. But the reason everybody has to go through and do these genealogies is because nobody remembers everybody after a while. You know, you know if you ever go to one of those um, you know, places where there's like ancient graveyards, here in Australia, I guess they're like 200 years old, most of them, I remember going to one in sort of the outskirts of Sydney. You can't even read the writing anymore because people come and people go. And all of the things and so many of the things that we think are important, well, nobody remembers them. They're there for a while and then they go. And so Solomon, this guy who was the most successful man possibly of all time, though he made some clangers decisions, I should add, he basically stands back and says, look, you know, if you try to put your own meaning into your life, it's going to be a failure because that's not how it works. Now, let's look at sort of his, I guess, his technique. He kind of went through all of these different ways, okay? He had all of these different ways of trying to make life meaningful. 
Now, one of the things he did was the getting of wisdom, or we may even say today in our world, education. He basically decided he'd learn everything about everything and then know how it worked. Well, let's just see how that went for him, okay? In Ecclesiastes 1.13 and following, we read, I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. With what a heavy burden God has laid on mankind, he says. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ever ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. You know, we can study all of our lives. You can have so many letters after your name, and that's not a bad thing. But somehow what Solomon is telling us is that one of the world's smartest men with the access to every bit of knowledge that existed in his day, he went and spent his time understanding wisdom, and he also says he spent his time understanding madness and folly. He, he kind of did everything. And at the end of it, he stands back and goes, well... It's a chasing after the wind. You don't actually find real meaning in studying things. And that's always, that's always disappointing. I, um, I had a very good friend, um, and she uh, is a psychiatrist. She's kind of a fairly well-known child psychiatrist. I haven't seen her for years, but uh, she did the medical doctor thing where she went and became a GP, and then she went on and she studied psychiatry, and then she went on and studied child psychiatry. She had a few kids in between. And so it's kind of like she's like in her 40s by the time she graduates. At her graduation, her father comes up to her. He's a very noted psychiatrist. He comes up to her, he puts an arm around her and says, I love you, I'm proud of you, and it doesn't work. <laughs> He's not saying it doesn't work at all, but in terms of sorting out everything and putting meaning in everything, it just doesn't do it because all of the study and all of the stuff doesn't really give us the meaning that we were created for in life. So our friend Solomon, this great king, the richest man in the world and possibly the richest man who has ever lived, the most powerful man in the world and possibly the most powerful man in the world and supposedly the wisest man in the world. You will see why I say supposed in a moment. He goes through this task and this exercise because the irony is 3,000 years ago, people were scratching their heads about meaning like people are today. But he, he decided, okay, education isn't the way to go. So he decided to go down the route of pleasure. He thought, well, you know, if, if education isn't the way to go, Let's go and have a good time and see how that works. Now, there's plenty of people who have tried that one. Having a good time is a lot cheaper and a lot quicker than education, isn't it? Okay, what does he say? If we actually read what he says in Ecclesiastes 2, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. I deny, he says in verse 10 following, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Whoa, 
Not many of us could even say that. You know, I, I can go and spend whatever my, I like as long as it's not over $100. I have absolute freedom, okay? I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Now, if you don't know much about Solomon, for supposedly the wisest man in the world, he had a few flaws, okay? One of his flaws was women. Not that women are a flaw, but the way he used them certainly was. He actually had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now, if you don't know what a concubine is, just get the word play and thing and put them together. That's what it means, nothing else. He had 900 women at his disposal. Now, (laughs) it's hard to get your head around, isn't it? Imagine on bin night, 700 women saying, honey, can you put the bin out? (laughs) I don't think that was possibly the biggest problem. But he basically, when he said he went at pleasure like no one else had, he was not kidding. He wasn't. And his life was miserable for it. Because women aren't playthings and men weren't designed to do that. We were designed for one person and another person and to find this, this, this wonderful thing in, in a marriage, if that's, if that's your thing, to be married. We weren't designed for all sex with thousands of people. That's not God's plan. That actually will rob you of joy, as many people have found out. I had a guy come to me once, actually here in Launceston, his, um, his wife had come to see me first, and I, I may have shared this with you before. She had actually come to see me, and she said, look, um, the guy was a Christian, she was a Christian. He, she came and said, look, I want you to talk to my husband. He's decided to commit adultery. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. I said, have you talked to him? She said, yeah, I've talked to him, he won't listen. I said, he, he, he'll come and talk to me? She said, yeah, he's happy to talk, happy to listen. So comes on in, sits down. And before I opened my mouth, he said, look, I just want to tell you something. I've decided to do this. <laughs> His wife was a very attractive woman and stuff, but he said, I have decided to do this. I met this girl on the ski fields. She's all of about 19, and he was in his 40s, I guess. And I have decided to do this. And he said, before you say anything about that, I want to tell you that my business partner came and approached me, and he said he did the same thing five years ago, and it ruined his life. He told me that. He said, I listened to him, and I'm still going to do it, so you can have your best shot, but I'm still going to do it. I said, look, I'll talk to you when your life is ruined, and you want to come back, and I'd be happy to talk to you, but, you know, so off he went. Okay? It's craziness, isn't it? These ideas we have, and the damage we can do to ourselves and to other people. And here we have a guy 3,000 years ago who did it better than anyone else could ever do it. And he's going, this is a disaster. Don't go here. You will not find the meaning and the satisfaction that you were designed to find there because it's not meant to work that way. You humiliate yourself and you humiliate the woman and you humiliate, you know what I'm saying? Now, look, we can make mistakes, all of us. And all of us can do dumb things. And it's so good that we've got a God who forgives us and helps us. But as I've said to you before, once you make the mistake so often, it's hard to put it back together. So don't do it in the first place. 
cut to the chase. Save some time. Enjoy the person the Lord's put next to you and find (laughs) the meaning that he has put into marriage. So what is the solution? Where is meaning to be found if buying things, going after sex, and, you know, you probably just need to fill in whatever is the thing that you're tempted to do that you think will give you fulfillment. Because, you know, what you're tempted to do may not be something that I find attractive. You may find that basically filling up a garage with Brussels sprouts does it for you. Okay? I pity you. I do pity you. But the reality is, each of us is tempted to look at things and go, things aren't so good, and I will try and find meaning and satisfaction. And when we go down the wrong route, we come up empty. But life does have meaning. There can be great satisfaction in life. I'm not saying life is necessarily easy, but there can be great satisfaction in life. And if you want to simplify your life, which this whole series is about, find out what God's way is to get meaning in your life, because that's the simplest way to go about anything. Go back to the guy who invented life and ask him for the help to know how life is meant to be lived. Read the instructions, guys. I know it's a challenge. Just read the instructions. Hey, we can go on YouTube now and watch the instructions. It's wonderful. So what does Solomon, this guy who tasted, did everything, what is his solution? In verse 226, this is what he says. To the person who pleases him, that means pleases God, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he, t- he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. And then he says in verse 26, if you basically don't um, please God, then the outcome is going to be that this too is going to be meaningless. Whatever you do will be taken by someone else. Now, I don't know everybody here today, and you may be here for the first time. We've got a little uh, Hannah here for the first time today. Welcome. I think she's taking into this wisdom. Um, Maybe not. I don't know what has brought you here today. You may never have heard about Solomon before and a whole lot of stuff. What I'm thinking has brought you here today is you're looking for meaning in your life, and It can be easily found, because it's not tricky. God has not kept this a secret. He wants it yelled from the rooftops. He wants people like me and other people to say to you, hey, there is a way that you can find meaning in your life. And he refers to it as the person who dedicates their life to pleasing God. Now, the really good thing about that is God tells us how we are to go about pleasing Him. And you're probably thinking about all these things you've got to do. Don't think about all these things you've got to do. God offers you Jesus. If we 
put our faith and trust in Jesus. If we believe that He is truly the Son of God and that on a cross He has died for our sins to resolve any problems we would have with God, then this makes God happy. And this is actually how you get meaning in your life. Because all of a sudden, you start to learn that you and I were designed to actually have a relationship with Jesus. That's what we are designed for. And when we aren't following that, that, that path, then we're living outside of our design. Now, a lot of us try to cheat the system. I, I want to tell you about cheating the system. Oh. <laughs> this is a Microsoft Band 2. Now, I know a lot of you are very jealous, and you're wondering, how did a guy like me get one of these? Okay, it's a long story. I will not bore you. But I kind of, I kind of like tech stuff. I, I really could be a prince of geekdom, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of, you know, I like these little things. And, and the reason I got one of these is I like the idea of my emails and texts. You know, I could just go like this on my wrist. Too much effort to go and pick my phone up. And um, so I've got one of these. Now, the problem with these is they've got a feature that I wasn't bargaining on. There's a pedometer on it. And I'm married to a physiotherapist. <laughs> and her middle name is Portion Control. <laughs> and she has decided that I get to eat as much as the amount of walking I do. Now, my son, who is also here, who is an exercise physiologist, is extraordinarily fit. He runs 10, 15K every day. And he sidled up to me the other day and said, Dad, for a price, I'll wear this for you. <laughs> I said, get behind thee, Satan. <laughs> then I said, how much? Uh, <laughs> we can all play the system, can't we? We can all do all sorts of things that look like they're getting the outcome, but you can't cheat God. You can't cheat yourself. Okay? We need to be seriously sitting down and understanding that we were created. We were, we were created to be in this relationship with God. And even though when we have our moments of arrogance and pride, we think, oh, I should be able to do what I want to do, we were created to do what God wants us to do. And that's when we work properly. And that's when we find joy. And that's when we find meaning. And when we do other things, it doesn't work so well. I've got a friend. Um, he's a guy that lives in the States. And if I told you that he was really, really successful, you probably wouldn't understand what I'm talking about when I talk about success. This is a guy that writes checks for $500 million to a billion dollars. His own checks. Okay? And he's an incredibly lovely Christian businessman. And he was in my church. And, and he, he was just this great guy. And because of his success, people would come up to him for help. And he was one of the most generous guys. I don't mean just with money, but with his time. And there'd be some little guy in our church who'd be starting up some business like a lemonade stand or something like that. 
And they'd come for advice. And he'd give them advice. Before long, they'd be owning Schweppes or something like that. (laughs) Well, maybe not. But he was an incredibly lovely and generous guy. And and one day, he he, he came to see me. And we're talking. And um, he said, look, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you for a long time about something. And I said, well, you know, what was it? He said, um, I've just done a deal this week and it's this amount of money. And I said, yeah, I saw it in the newspaper. He said, I, I don't know, I, I, I should feel really, really good about it. I said, well, how do you feel? I don't know. He said, I, I don't feel excited at all. I said, he said, I feel kind of empty. And I said, well, how did you expect you would feel? He said, I I expected I'd feel really good about it. He said, I thought this would be the one that would make everything okay. You hear what I'm saying? Now, all of his success was great. And I don't take away any of that. And I don't think you need to hear me saying people shouldn't be successful. Go out and make money and come and put it in the plate at church. We love it, okay? Share it around to the needy. We love it. That's a good thing. But all of us need to understand just a simple truth. Like this guy learnt. You you know why? You know what was really going on? Everybody thought this guy was a genius and brilliant, and he was. But he didn't think so much of himself. And he kept thinking that if he just did the right thing, then he'd have meaning and satisfaction. And I was able to say to him, look, I'm not going to charge you a cent for this advice. I should, I should really stick it to you with your sort of bank balance. But I'm just going to give you a bit of free advice. How about we pray together and you hear from Jesus what he thinks about you and the value he has given you in life and you find your meaning from listening to him. And it changed his life. Not me, but Jesus. Guys, that's where we find meaning. That's where we find satisfaction. Listen to old Shlomo. That's his name in Hebrew. He did it all. Be wise. Listen to his mistakes and learn from them. And turn to the one that he had to turn to, which is the living God, to find meaning and satisfaction, and peace for his soul. That's how you simplify your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you. We yearn for the simple life. We just learn for a life, Lord, yearn for a life where we have this sense of your love in our hearts, this sense and clarity about your purpose. We have your energy and your wisdom to do it and know which things to do and which things not to do. Lord, if if, if we've never come to you and said, I'm sorry for the way I've lived and I've run after and chased after, Lord, hear us now as we just pray this prayer. And I'm going to pray a prayer now, everyone, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, that this is your opportunity to do it. This is where the meaning and the rest and the satisfaction and the peace is found. It's got to be sincere. They're not just words. You need to follow up with them. 
but you need to pray a prayer that just goes like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've lived my life my own way. Just pray something like that. Forgive me, Lord. Just say that. I want to live life your way, Lord. Just pray that. I want to trust in Jesus. Just pray that. I want to trust that he died on the cross for my sins. Just pray that. And I want to commit myself, Lord. Just pray that. I want to commit myself, Lord, to follow you and to trust him all the days of my life. If you have done that, welcome to meaning. Welcome to life. Welcome to satisfaction. Come and see me or one of the other leaders after the service. We want to encourage you. We'll be up the front. Praise you, God, for sending Jesus and for putting meaning and satisfaction and simplifying our lives. We pray these things in your name, Jesus.